In the dark alleys of Skid Row, a man preys on the most vulnerable, leaving behind grisly scenes. Come on, Vaughn. Thanksgiving this yeah, week. Yeah, it's a Thanksgiving episode and welcome to what Why did didn't we do? choose a Thanksgiving kill? <gasps> Is there a Thanksgiving murder? Like the whole story of Thanksgiving maybe? No, that wasn't true. Genocide. <laughs> um, that was what I was going to do. Remember I was like Halloween. I was thinking that's what we should do. Every holiday should be like a themed murder. Definitely here for a Christmas theme. I don't have time for a Thanksgiving killer true crime story. There's no special drops this week. And that's not me being cryptic. That's really not. <laughs> anyway, welcome to What Did You Do? Uh, I'm Charnel. And I'm Dee. For the first time I have introduced us. Well, but, I kind of started. No, I'm just saying I introduced the show. It doesn't matter. This is not a game. This is not a fight. Um, we are back. It yeah. is episode, what is this, 26? We're, you're still here with me. Yeah, I am. <laughs> and it's funny to me because in the next episode, it'll be a year that we've been doing this. Oh, we're hitting our anniversary, boo. What'd you get me? Not a damn thing. Oh. It'd be like the same thing I got you last year. Oh. Nothing. <laughs> I, I think it's funny because it doesn't feel like a year. It's, no, it doesn't. It's sped by and I'm and terrified. And a lot of, of has happened since we started. We've had a lot of highs. Yes, a little bit have. of lows sometimes, yeah, yeah, but yeah. more highs than lows. Right. More good times than bad. Yes. Uh, I say I've enjoyed it so far. Yes, this is not an anniversary time. episode we're not going to do until like, thank you so much to everybody who loved the thing. You're here next episode. Yeah. Episode 27, because I think that's going to be closer to the episode mm-hmm. one day. I think right now we're actually past the intro episode day, yeah. but whatever. We don't do things on time because <laughs> we're on colored time. But you, <laughs> some of y'all aren't allowed to say that, so please don't get beat up trying to be fun. Well, I, I heard all my favorite podcasts. <laughs> Chardell said I could say it. That's not true. Please don't. But we like you anyway. Oh, my God. So first part of this is always what it is. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. Keeping it clean. So I just want to shout out a couple people because they've inspired me to be great. Uh, First of all, shout out to Jerrica. I like that name a lot. She's suggested some true crime cases to us. Um I'm really intrigued is what I'm going to say. Right. She had made mention that like this is really graphic, so I'm sorry. I'm like, oh no, girl. I know. You're <laughs> yeah. like delight. Pure like, delight. I was like, you know me too well. Like this might be too much for D, but for me. Dum dum dum. I was like on a where was I? I think it was on a bus to New York City and I was like <laughs> like just giggling to myself like I, a I saw the messages but I didn't click on anything, look up anything yet, so it's gonna be fun. Uh, uh and also to Sasha. <laughs> Sasha suggested you know who you guys are. I didn't get last name, I wanna say Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, but thank you for suggesting. We're gonna start um, going through and shifting through all the listeners like recommendations yeah, we've got certain, a list yeah, of, of a links list. growing of what you want so a lot we'll like highlight them you'll know which one's a listener we'll definitely pick. like shout you out yeah so thanks again you guys are great um the other thing is rate us on apple Podcasts. Yeah, five man. stars if you like us you, you you keep coming back hit that five star button while you're listening we'll love you for it uh, and let us know you did it. Tweet us, Facebook us, say, hey, guys, if you have a five-star review, or hey, guys, if you review, you're great, or hey, work on this because you're not great. I can take constructive criticism. I'm an adult. 
Uh, I'm not, and I'm a five star bitch. So, <laughs> wow, it's a lot happened on that side of this table. So, also check out our Patreon. You guys, if you guys pledged uh, recently, your stickers are on the way. Uh, if you have a Skype call set up, that's going to happen soon. Your T-shirt is also on the way. So, check in the mail. I want to see pictures of your stickers on things. Looking at you, Lola, and I want to see your I, you know, T-shirt. I'm not gonna judge her because I still have my sticker and I have not done anything. Mine's with it. sitting right here on my laptop because I feel like it's a commitment wherever I leave it. And it's I right want, here on my laptop. I, I can't commit. My friend, my friend has one on his water bottle, and he's running through his dishwasher like twenty nine thousand times, and it stills there. It looks great. So no can't excuses. That commitment. Anyway, you get stickers. <laughs> There's all kinds of cool rewards, like an extra bonus episode that we are still behind on, and that's not Dee's fault. It's mine. I have a full life. Not that she doesn't. I don't right now, to be honest. (laughs) I was trying to be nice. But I'm really busy. So that's something that we have to catch up on. And we acknowledge the fact that we're trash on that. But like, check that out. Check out our Facebook page. Check out the Facebook group, uh, the What Did You Crew. And check out our website, whatdidyoudopodcast.com. That's all the housekeeping I have. Housekeeping over. Um, Yeah, I'm done cleaning up behind you guys. So (laughs) let's get into this episode. What did you do? I'm out of breath. I'm fat. Uh, <laughs> out so, of breath? Yeah. Need how, a little water? How I'm, how I'm out of shape talking. How'd that work? <laughs> we need to do better. Oh my God. Anyway, <laughs> here you guys. <laughs> um. So this episode, I have feels about it. Just going right into it. There's not a lot of information on the guy we're going to talk to. And I, I think it's a shame because we have stuff. But like, again, we've seen how minorities don't have much of a story and we get the stories when it comes to Caucasian people and for him like I think Deji could have done so much better I think the the issue here uh, and you guys see the name we're taking uh, taking on Vaughn Greenwood yes today um, I think one of the other issues is that the victims the victims weren't people that would be missed right, right away right um, our our pod fathers at LP on the left, you know, called them the less dead homeless people. Aren't people that are going to be missed, mm-hmm. especially if you live in a, po- a great population of homeless people like in Skid Row. Mm-hmm. So I think it's that. I don't think I don't think it's the fact that he didn't kill a lot of white women. He didn't kill like there are there are people that you're that are going to, especially again in the seventies and sixties. There was definitely higher populations of people dying that people cared a lot more about. We talked about. Um, and I would even go as far as to say, like, young white boys that people weren't paying attention to in the 70s. We talk about, like, Dean Coral. Um, right. Like, it's just, it's they weird. Have, we've had, damn, we haven't we covered, like, Caucasian offenders who were, like, living that lifestyle where they're all over, homeless. But we still get a story. I don't remember covering anybody like that. If we haven't, then but, I know we've definitely, I've definitely read stories where there no. are people who are... Homeless, transient, lived down the outskirts of society. Well, there was that, there's Robert Hansen. We talk about he was going after sex workers right. in Alaska. So that is a, but white women that was who he's. <laughs> right. there. I don't think I don't mean I'm sure there are black people in Alaska. <laughs> right, all two of us. I don't know. I'll Google us. I would. <laughs> you know. But no, I think I think you are right. Um, but I do think yeah, there's just like the victims in the 70s are people. You also have to remember like this is not the South, um, but the Midwest a lot of people don't realize was definitely affected by racist and racial uh tensions and things like that especially illinois chicago where we're going to visit today um and same thing with california things spread and so for a lot of times a lot of people were hyper vigilant about protecting white women because the the lie the narrative the rhetoric was that black men were super dangerous and were targeting these precious so it's like there's a lot of things happening here 
But Vaughn but they didn't was, do my man justice. Well, he's also a murderer, so why do we give a fuck? Like yeah. I was like, chill out. There's a lot of energy behind this. <laughs> and you there, almost no, sound, I think well, you he's almost also, sound like a supporter. Like, listen, no, listen, I'm not a supporter, but like also Jeffrey Dahmer has like story after story after story after story after story after story. Jeffrey after Dahmer story. also <laughs> ate people. And <laughs> he did some weird stuff too. That's what I'm saying. No, he I mean, did there's... some. He did some weird stuff, but he did not eat people or drill holes in people or keep them in a freezer. I like mean, you different. can't. They're apples and oranges. <laughs> it's a little. It's, it got weird. For they both. Time. You can both find them in the produce section of a grocery store, but they are not the same thing. All right. Anyway, so right. lead us off of a story about who Vaughn Greenwood Vaughn is Greenwood. and do not stand anymore. We were. This is gonna get I problematic. Stand. Problematic. <laughs> so, I'm not standing for a murderer, but anyway, <laughs> Vaughn Greenwood was born in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, January first, nineteen forty-four. Um, as far as his childhood, he was raised by foster parents, and he completed seven years of school, meaning he was in seventh grade. And he he quit. He left, um, and he ran away. He fled Pennsylvania, fled the foster home, and thumbed around to California. So this is, I don't know. So foster care is fun uh, to talk about specifically because, yeah, I caught myself. I am tired. Uh, Because I think that a lot of times we talk about foster care being like the saviors of kids and where you'd be safer and... I, th- I I wish I knew more, and this is where the whole, like, we should have more of a story, especially for someone who kills 11 people. We should know more about who this person was, why didn't we care a lot about it, and the way he killed people, we should be worried about it. Right. But, like, if you flee foster care, which I, I hate the fact that they call it, they say he fled, he ran away, like, kids run away. Um, but if he would fl- was he fl- fled? Well, fled indicates that there is something yeah, going on. Right, but then dive into that. Of course, because they don't care. So, like, if you're running away from foster care, there's something wrong. The home isn't safe. The home isn't adequate. Or what are you running to? Most times when kids run away from foster care, it's because they're trying to go back to their bio family. Uh, they meet up with a sister or they're secretly meeting up with their mother, like, their father, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's one of those things. So, I don't know. It's just weird to me. Like, foster care is not an end-all, be-all safety net. But I would really love to know what made him want to bounce and the other thing is that at this in point, seventh grade. But that's what I'm saying too right. is that he's 12 years old mm-hmm. doing this, which means that he's this is not the first time that he's hitchhiked across anywhere, had to get somewhere. Um, and as he gets older, because we we don't know much about this space between the time he leaves seventh grade, because that's when the last time the system tracked him, until right. so the time he's 22. Um, we don't know where this guy is for 10 years. But I can imagine one well, the other thing about him is that he does identify as gay. He is a homosexual. Um, Why did you say it like that? Because I just uh, Jeff Sessions was in my body, <laughs> like he was a homosexual, um, but he was, and so I'm sitting here thinking, and this is not documented at all, but I think that uh, I don't know that there was a history. He had to have a history of like probably sex work and th- like mm-hmm. getting across the nation, like getting all the way from Pennsylvania to California. Like there are there are predators out there, people who will take advantage of kids, but also queer kids who are homeless. Have, sometimes they they do engage in survival sex things that'll get them. Like I don't have any money, but I will x x x. You know, if you get me here. So it's so I'm just thinking like where he comes from is probably this very unsafe, unstable. The trauma of foster care, major change is always traumatic. It doesn't matter if it doesn't involve violence. Uh, so I'm just thinking like 
he had a lot going on for like a 12 year old up to 22 with essentially no treatment. Right. So <laughs> there is, uh, so just, uh, there's clearly disruption in the family. There's clearly disruption in care because, you know, I, I'm not, you have to get to foster care at some, some way. So the state has to take a hold of you, right. transfer you to foster care. And I mean, technically nowadays you're supposed to follow up with the child as a social worker, but 12 years old, he's off on his own. As you well, said, it's the sixties. So like, I mean, he- <laughs> let me tell you the sixties and seventies. In kids were like kids were allowed just to just running around like because we also have to understand like I we give them a lot of crap but the truth is that there wasn't a lot of technology to keep right. track of kids there weren't cameras on everything that you can see where well, they hopped on a train there wasn't any like so there was a lot it was a lot harder to keep track of kids now kids have cell phones when they run away right. and they dumb enough to check in or have their location tagged on Instagram we're like man fuck my parents. Like McDonald's on 47th Street. Like, okay, so I know where to come get you. But it's like, this is just, if he doesn't come home from school. That's it. Like, so especially if they don't necessarily, I'm not going to say anything about the foster parents. They really think they're inadequate. But, like, if they're not looking for him. Right. So, here we go. So, I mean. So, by the time we hear about him again, we know that he's a migrant worker. And he's doing some farm work. And he's traveling yeah. basically from Chicago to Cali, back, back and, and forth. Back and forth, in between. Yeah. And if you are a young man and you are of gay of gay descent... <laughs> of gay descent. <laughs> I hate him so much today. I really do. <laughs> um, I'm just thinking about Kansas and what that would look like for me, is what I'm saying. Like... <laughs> Just traveling through these cornfields and seeing all these farmers. Well, that and right, that's not the lifestyle you're probably looking for as a gay young black man. Uh, or, it, but it could have or some anybody. of the, could have some of the things that you are looking for if you're looking for one of them corn-fed Texans. <laughs> I, was, I quit. I quit you today. But even while he was doing all of that, but you're absolutely right. That's how he earned his money to. Right. So I guess somehow, and I have a sneaking suspicion. He was a sex worker. And as we get further into this, you're going to, my suspicions will be uh, kind of, I don't want to say I'm vindicated, but I feel like I'm going to get, I'll have an argument. Um, But between that, that's how he paid for food, clothing, necessities. And again, that's all we know. And I hate that we don't have a beginning. Right. This is where I said we just don't have enough information on this. And I looked. (laughs) <laughs> like, I, I look with hard. a lowercase L. He always looks with a capital L. <laughs> when I tell you, like, I went through my universities, like, <laughs> scholarly articles and news clippings. I went to, like, like looked for, like, microfilm on the internet. Like, I looked at, like, old school LA Times articles, New I York Times articles. Um, there was one out of Spokane. There was, uh, there was another one out of Texas. Like, these crazy clippings, and all they did was talk about... The crime they like back in the day articles unless it was ongoing they did not talk about <laughs> like right so I was just, there were no details and there was also no real evidence so we're mm-hmm. gonna move on but now we don't know much about Vaughn or where he's what he's been doing in his free time but what we do know is that where he's been kind of traversing and like navigating through like the homeless neighborhoods of Chicago and right. uh, in L A is that the bodies will start to pile up right. Specifically in LA Skid Row, um, this was a place where a lot of seasons, that's a band, right? I don't think so, but I feel like 
Jesus wants me to Google it, but I'm sorry. Jesus also wants you to Google that somebody, like somebody's lead singer, died on Skid Row doing drugs. I feel like I know this story. Zac Efron got caught doing cocaine on Skid Row, but that's neither here nor there. (laughs) I'm not talking about just Zac Efron at all. I know, but that's a very interesting story. It is. Skid Row is a band. I'm not stupid. I knew it. And (laughs) so the first body discovered. (laughs) Sorry, it was November 13th, 1964, and it was that of David Russell, an elderly homeless man, mm-hmm. found on the library steps in Los Angeles. Now, this is where Vaughn kind of makes a name for himself. A little bit. How these bodies are found. So, Correct. as far, like, he's had a boring life up until this, but he has a way to make this interesting. And I... I mean, part of me knows, I don't want to give him too much credit because most serial killers have average intelligence. They're not outsmarting yeah. us. They just know who to kill and when to kill them. And also, clearly, they got caught. Yeah, most serial killers, unless you're Jack the Ripper or. Right. Who's the other one, the Zodiac? Um, so, but I, I. That's still my favorite name for a killer, Zodiac. Some of them are really cool. Some of this. The Skid Row Slasher is Vaughn's name. And that's actually cool. That's a like, really cool name, but not enough of a story to go with the name. Right. That's what pissed me off. So, too. like, sometimes, uh, who's the Romeo killer for Christopher Porco? I was like, terrible. That wasn't accurate. Who, who's Romeo? The the book, the Baker Butcher was the <laughs> other one. And I was like, he doesn't though. even bake. And I was like, I mean, he doesn't even butch. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so what made this special is that they found David Russell with stab runes. Runes, stab wounds around his neck, stab wounds around his torso. But what this was is that his throat was slashed ear to ear. Right. right. Not only that, what what happened to baffle the police in this was what seemed to be ritualism mm-hmm. surrounding the murder. There was salt sprinkled around the body, and I'm terrible because I kept thinking salt bay. Um, <laughs> and, he sprinkled it like. I want everyone to stop now and Google Salt Bay. Please and just don't, imagine, because you guys are going to hate me. Imagine him doing it like that. It's hilarious. Because that's what I thought. I was like, why is he speaking? Like, does he carry more in salt with him? Like, the, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I know tons of black folks that carry seasonings in their purse. My grandmother used to carry um, Laurie's seasoning salt with her. I don't blame her. Uh, so, but like, he just like sprinkled salt around them. And not only that, uh, and th- some of these reports were. Um, argued here and police wouldn't confirm them but cups of blood found and shoes pointed towards the body so like it looks like some kind of satanic ritual correct it was also at a time where satanic panic started becoming a thing because christians and catholics can kind of be out of their minds sometimes right and say, like, I always tell people, you don't have to worry about Satan making his bed in your child's room or in schools. He done made it in the pulpit. Oops. And <laughs> you got to figure that out on your own. Like, he's not, he, the, the church ain't True. exempt from being satanic or Amen. not. Like, <laughs> But so they, all these things. So right away, police are like, it's got to be some kind of ritual. And that's why I was like, he's not smarter than them. But I think my theory is that it was obviously a way to point them towards Someone else. Someone and else. my argument is to point them towards someone that was not black. Black. And like, because now, black I don't know say, if he thought that far. No, but no. I think he, I think people knew enough in the 70s that people who are more involved in the occult, if it wasn't voodoo mm-hmm. or voodoo, something closer to African like mm-hmm. uh, history as far as that goes, um, in those kind of uh, rituals and those kind of practices, 
then if you didn't find like I don't know like like animal parts or like burnt bones things right. like that, then typically it would be attributed to like Satan- Satanism and the extreme side of Satanism, which is pre like purely dominated by predominantly white, right. especially in the seventies. So he was like, "They're not going to be me." He doesn't fit the profile. We'll get into no, that of what a, a that. serial that killer. That part was hilarious. Right. So he doesn't fit the profile <laughs> of a serial killer because your typical serial killer in the 70s was a middle-aged white man, disgruntled, mm-hmm. probably married, you know, like all Served these things. in the army. We've talked about them. Right. So like he just wasn't what it was. So no. I think that doing all of this, like they were like automatically not this black dude, um, but <laughs> screwed up. Um, next day, mm-hmm. they also found... Another body. another body, Benjamin Hornberg, in the bathroom of his hotel, crappy hotel, another transient person. Mm-hmm. We know that homeless people, when they scrape enough money together to not sleep on the street, they do that. Okay. Um, and this guy was looking to do that and ended up with his throat slashed again, ear, ear to, to ear, ear, and multiple stab wounds to his head and torso. So there's a pattern. Yeah, there's, <laughs> and, there's clearly something going on, and the cops noticed it too. They were like, yeah, there we go. But they kind of left it because all of a sudden everything stopped. Yeah, there no were no like, more killings, no more. Nothing. Well, there were killings, but none with this because it's the seventies, right? But <laughs> the sixties and the seventies, but none with this pattern of violence. And you're right. And so the reason is <laughs> this is what this is my argument, guys. And I'm so I'm I get so excited when I get to argue points because when I was looking into them, I was like, homeboy is definitely doing some sex work. Mm-hmm. So. It came to an end in 66 because Greenwood would be in Chicago sleeping with a certain Mr. Mance Porter, a man that was 48 years his elder. Now, this is not this has nothing to do with true crime, but this will speak to where he like his lifestyle and what he's used to. So I think there's a lot of killing or harming people to survive. Mm -hmm. And some things sometimes he just flashes back. Um so he demands money from Mans Porter, and he refuses to pay him. And so with that, Greenwood slashes his throat, stabs him multiple times. Now, walk with me through a thought. So this is why I think <laughs> walk, it is a sex work, because Mans Porter was 70 years old. That's old. Vaughn Greenwood was 22. That's a baby. Right. And so there's a couple of things here that can be happening. One, he just has the things for old guys. That's a thing. Which is possible. Like salt, pepper, white. At this point, it's probably white. I love a good gray. Like Max from Catfish. Yeah, I mean, he bay. Right. Max from Catfish. <laughs> Anybody who grays early, I'm like, swoon. Um, but sometimes old folks want the D and they deserve and are allowed to be viewed as sexual beings. So I get that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hope when I'm 70 that I am not doing that because I will not have the energy. Um <laughs> The other side is that there's a, there's a long history, and speaking as a queer black man myself, um, of older uh, kind of white guys preying on young black guys, and right. that's weird um, to talk about. But it's it was it's not that far removed from everyone. It shouldn't be that far removed from everyone's mind because not too long ago, um, uh, what's his name, Jamel Moore, um, who was found in that Democratic donor's house. And the house is filled with like drug paraphernalia and like sex toys and all these things that happen. Cause I remember being younger and being on these quote unquote dating sites 
And a lot of the messages that I would get would be from people who were like 55. Mm. And I'm 19. Mm. Like, what do you, and like 69, there was a surgeon from the hospital, the local hospital was like, I want to give you massages. People were like, I want to give you money to, for you to spend time yeah, with me. A surgeon, you know. No, like at 19, money, that's what, but this is what I'm saying is right, that this is they, how look it for, they look for people who would be traditionally disenfranchised and who would respond to either monetary benefits or gifts. And so they're looking for young black men because, again, it's that. Like, you must be poor. You must be. And it was, like, insulting to me. It doesn't matter. So that's two. So I think it's either a relationship is monetary or gifting. Or three, he is your run-of-the-mill sex worker. And he got he got shorted. He didn't get his money. Didn't get his money. I have my money. And lost his and lost his shit. So I think that is thank you for that dance. I think <laughs> y'all couldn't see it, but I'm kind of glad you didn't. <laughs> Don't cover my little dance. But no, I think so. I think that's like there's a there's a pattern of behavior here where he has learned, especially again hopping these trains. Um, and if you want to listen to like what life was like, like riding trains and hitchhiking and things like that in the 70s, last podcast on the left does a story of Carl Pandram mm-hmm. and talking about like his life on that. And like how violent um, homeless people could be, right. especially if you're hopping on trains and they've outnumbered you ten to one, and stories of violence and rape and things like that. So like, if you've learned a pattern of behavior, because you're not learning at home. Remember, he was a foster was kid far, who ran away yeah, at twelve. Yeah, right. So if you learned all these things, that's all you know. And so I, that's where I see this is where I see this pattern of behavior coming from. Like. I just want to lash out at people. Like you, it doesn't have to say these homeless people disrespected him. No, but like I want to know why, like how he ended up in the hotel room. We have no evidence of how he got there. Um, Why he killed someone in library steps? Like just because he was sleeping, he was sleeping. But like I want to know, like what happened? Was it like a get away from me? Oh, you're not giving me what I want. Stabby stab stab. So there's a lot of things that go on in this. But neither here nor there. Uh, But we're here, and he spends, (laughs) and he spends five years. Um, five years um, in jail for this. Uh, he's convicted, and so the Skid Row murders kind of take a little bit of a pause. As they as they do, you know, I, I'm sure the police enjoyed it because they didn't really work hard in the 70s. There was <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't any donuts around the bodies, though. No, like but that's the thing too is that there was very little evidence left. As gruesome as these murders were, and this is also before the real like DNA and fingerprints and things were really making their way so i don't know but uh you're right we see a resurgence in december 1974 so almost like 10 years back yeah somebody comes back and and it's a pretty bloody december what's is that a counting crows song are you gonna google it no but uh, a warm december it's a warm december but it's clearly a bloody december it's a bloody december i was gonna say a bloody december Mr. So he gets Jones out of jail and, and he goes back to Cali and goes on his murder spree. Going, going, back, back to, to Cali. Cali. <laughs> so December 1st, <laughs> thank you for these, we we are weird. He murders 46-year-old Charles Jackson, alcoholic, another guy who kind of floats from town to town. Um, he kills him in the same place. Where he killed David Russell's on those steps. 10 years ago, 10 years prior. And we've got Moses. These names are fun. I don't know how to say that. Yakanak. Yakanak. I hope to. I'm, I'm going to get married and take that as my last name. That's kind of cool. <laughs> what? Um, 47-year-old 
described as an Eskimo here in the research, uh, stabbed to death in an alley in Skid Row on November 8th. And then, on November 8th, I'm sorry, December 8th. December. And then December 11th, Arthur Dalstedt, I can't, these names are fun, who's 54 years old, was killed outside of an abandoned building. And then going forward, there's David Perez, found on December 22. He is 42 years old. You're Uh, so Haitian. I love it. Huh? December 22. I am. (laughs) I'm so Caribbean. You you see it more and more every day. Um, He was found in some shrubbery outside of Los Angeles Public Library. So there's a lot going on outside the library. And you would think that, you know... (laughs) There would be some patrol. Like, because if you look at Skid Row nowadays, like modern Skid Row, I don't want to say it's modern because it's still kind of tent city-esque. But if you look at it, there is a lot of patrolling of police that goes on, which makes me sad because you see these municipal, like, employees driving by in their warm cars and their warm clothes. And you're looking out and driving them by to make sure these homeless people stay in line. But, like, they're still homeless people. And there's no, yeah, and there's no, like, money going towards them. Or, like, and there's a million millionaires in L.A. And everyone cares about homeless people until they don't. (laughs) Right. So it it just irritates me thinking about this. Like I every time I go anywhere with a big city like New York or Washington mm-hmm. DC, I'm always I look at homeless people and I'm just like, man, like there's so much that can be done to help you and there's money that can be used to help you and we're just choosing not to prioritize right. our homeless I people. I mean, my first case management real job job was with the homeless and uh it goes back to when I was in college too. I I started my college career at Fordham. Go Rams, and we <laughs> <laughs> and we used to hand out food to the homeless, like with like their missionary work. There, I wouldn't say we did like the midnight run where we'd hand out food to the homeless, and we just got to listen to stories. So there is money to help them. There is listen with all the abandoned buildings in these major cities. It wouldn't take that much to fix them up and have somebody just you know house these people and give them a jump start. But you know what, we choose not to do so. Consider better myself. That's the point I'm trying. To <laughs> is that it is terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible we that we do such things. So. Well, that's. What, I mean, I think that. I mean, we I talk about homelessness all the time, but it's the dangers of homelessness that scare. Like most people who get sick and die and things like that of when they're homeless aren't because the elements take them. It's uh, the the terrible coping mechanism they have to deal with all like this. Change is traumatic. Major change is traumatic. So if you go from living in a warm home to eventually sleeping on your friend's couches to eventually sleeping on a park bench all the time and having to fight for food or scrape for food or have sex for food, Mm -hmm. um, life doesn't take much. You're more likely to have depression, anxiety. Um, If you have any mental illness, uh, illnesses that... You know, now you don't have health insurance. You're not being treated for those. So things are exacerbated by your circumstances. And all these things are happening. And I and I would venture to guess that by keeping people on the street, I think we're putting more people at risk of being injured or hurt. And like, it's, it's a just, cycle. These people get arrested for crimes trying to survive. They get into the system. They have housing for a little bit. And then they go back out. And mm-hmm. then they... I mean, the little time that they have inside is where they keep warm. So a lot of them actually do commit crimes in the wintertime too. Just to... Well, yeah. Like, you're, yeah. you're absolutely right. And I think... Because it's, it's a pattern. And also the ones who just get caught, like you said. Right. Just doing... Kind of doing whatever. Trying, even if they're just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. They get taken off the street... 
they they've been removed from like normal living situations for so long they have no life skills you go into prison where everything is regulated and you have no rights or control or say on what you do or where you go again no life skills right. and then you get put back on the street with no no real residue halfway home for what four or five months then you get put out unless you go to a shelter and then you have to find a job but now you're a felon and nobody wants to hire you like it's just a vicious cycle, and there's nothing happening to break it. So I know that's not what this podcast is about, but you sit now with a whole bunch of social work, community workers, which is what we do. And he has a story that is, like I said, there's an undertone to the story where it's not told, but it should have been told. Right. For him and all these people who are the victims. Yeah. We have names, we have places, we have ages, but we don't have backstories of any of these people, including the victims. And I looked. <laughs> <laughs> Capital L. <laughs> I am so at I looked. Oh, man. But, but either way. He continues his killing spree. Into on, the new year. Yeah. Um, no no New Year's resolutions for this bastard. <laughs> not at all. No New Year, new me. New Year, like, not serial a, killer not me. A, nope, nope. Still same serial killer. Kashmir. You could say <laughs> that last name because I don't know how to say it. Strawinsky. That's pretty simple. Strawinsky. I can't say it. Unless it's like... Gertrude and Gotchevsky. Beneshevsky. Trouchevsky. You never know, that's why. But uh, he, he was got... 58 and found in a hotel room on January 9th. And Robert Shanahan. That's just. That's Irish. That that's, is exactly. That, that, I said it right. Cool. He got found by his hotel maid after he'd been killed several days prior. Uh, and what. <laughs> I, I just want to point this out because the, the word in this bothers me. All right. They found. <laughs> That's not funny. But they found a bayonet protruding from his chest. A bayonet. What's a bayonet? I can't... I don't know what... Oh, so a bayonet... I'm not going to shame you for it. Culturally. No, I understand. But it's like American history. But I... (laughs) A bayonet. Remember in like the American Revolutionary War and like all those things? Or I'm sorry. Not that. Uh, Like the Civil War is probably more prevalent. You saw those guns with the knives at the end of them. So once you got too close, once you got close, you just stabbed them. That blade is a bayonet. Yeah. So. (laughs) So either somebody. That's what I'm (laughs) saying. So there are some there, but these are the things. This is this is the point I wanted to make at this point was that is either Robert Shanahan owned this. And he wasn't homeless because all these things are artifacts. These things are historical artifacts. Right. If you have an actual gun with a real bayonet, because there are there are also modern guns with bayonets. Right. But I'd imagine that he had like a rifle, like an right. old school rifle or something like that. Maybe he stole it trying to pawn it. Maybe like all these things. But it is just a random weapon to be killed with. Right. And I was like, where did this come from? But whatever. Uh, like, I'm not going to stay there too long. But I'm so glad I was able to tell you what pain thank you thank you um and so january 17th that's when that body was i can't it's a bayonet that's just odd to me it's just out of the norm and because usually he takes later on my boyfriend is gonna shame me though for definitely not knowing what a bayonet is the other side (laughs) is like if fingerprints were a thing like if they were more (laughs) they were a thing in the 60s yeah but if they were more like if you're not he and he went to prison Mm -hmm. so if you're fingerprinting people and there, again, there's no real database. There's no database. So like, so that bayonet, hundred percent, had Vaughn's fingerprints on it. No way in the world. Right. Um, but finally, forty um, nine year old Samuel Suarez, great name. Um, 
He was killed in the fifth floor hotel room. Of a sleazy um, hotel room. They it's call so it dramatic. sleazy. They're so dramatic. Like, it's terrible. Seedy, sleazy hotel Because room. they are. Like, have you, you we've all seen those crappy roadside inns that are like $40 a night. Yep. You know, if you ask 40 people for a dollar, you can have a warm place to stay, you know? Yep. And you can shower. And if you have a hotel that wash, that you wash your clothes for free, like mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is the last time somebody would be killed on Skid Row. And this is usually, I'm telling you, usually people start caring when you stop killing the least of us. Mm-hmm. It's usually when you start killing people who mean something to someone or have a, a place in society, so to so, speak. So, I mean, I guess that was practice. Because, because he took he his talents to Hollywood. Yeah, he was going for stardom. Um, fortunately. Hollywood star. Okay, thanks for that. <laughs> I was like, you guys can't see what she's doing, but she's out of control. <laughs> and on January 29th, 1975, he stabbed 45-year-old George Frias to death in his own home. See, and this is what I'm saying. is This is... There's got to be, there are some accounts, don't get me wrong. There are some accounts of what, of people who saw so-and-so with this person. They saw, oh, he looked, but they weren't describing a, a black guy. They Nope. <laughs> so they, you were so off. But he attacked him in his own home, which means he either got let in, wink, wink. Hey. Like, there's, there are a lot of homeless people, and people will shame sex workers and tops, and look how dirty she looked, look how dirty he looks. Uh, people driving up and down the street on payday. It seemed like the age gap was getting, you know, shorter and shorter too. Like they were younger and younger. Right. So I don't know. Maybe he came. I don't know. Had a different clientele. Well, the thing there's know, a thing, and I don't want to get too too sociological and all that stuff in this, but queer culture, like black guys, and if you look at a picture of Vaughn Greenwood, he wasn't by any means some really scrawny no. weird looking guy he looked strong right and a lot of times in, in queerness like you Thank are relegated to, what what he's a killer <laughs> I, didn't <even> <laughs> I was like what is happening he's a big and strong so i was like take me Sandy. <laughs> oh god someone needs really to go home to their man i didn't mean him but like <laughs> someone needs to go home to their man is what i'm hearing here and <laughs> the look he just gave me you can't be like, what's wrong with you? He's a killer. I was like, girl, you were standing. I didn't mean him. I mean, you were standing. I. <laughs> but either way, um, I think that there is, as you get younger, youth is, because Car- Carl, because Vaughn was getting up there in age. He was getting closer to his 30s. He's in his right. 30s. And I think you get relegated to what your body looks like and what you can do with it. Right. And so... I think as you get closer to Hollywood and you're in like West Hollywood and things like that, especially in the seventies, like aesthetic means a lot more than anything else. There's a lot less older out gay men and things like that. And so it's just, those things are moving. Right. Um, and I feel like that's why the clientele started getting Making younger. But cause direction. this is what I'm saying. I think his victim, not all of his victims were just victims. Like once they start, once they stop being homeless men, I'm a hundred percent sure it's because they were looking for some play. Mm hmm. People will disagree. I actually agree with you more, especially a lot of them were found in hotel rooms. So they could have been like, I'm kind of seeing you kind of, you know, warm body, maybe having a good time. Like I can't pay you in money, but I can pay you in a, in a warm place to sleep. Like, right. And that's not what I wanted. Right. 
you know, there's only a few of them that were outside and like, you know, outside the library. Yeah, the library and the shrubs. And the shrubs. Like, it's only it's only a few. Most of them were in hotel rooms. So. That most of the time you got to be invited in. Doesn't say that he broke into the windows. Doesn't say, like right. So he just he kills them and he's able to yeah. walk out. So yeah, right, right. They never say anything about like break-ins, broken glass, mm-hmm. hotel managers here, you know, it's nothing about that. He walks in with somebody, and the, I'm sure the hotel front desk person saw him, and he walks out, and he probably waved goodbye to him. Yeah, your, your sex work theory makes more and more sense. See? I, I got it. Now See? I'm, now I'm, not I, that I'm, I'm not, here now. And I'm, I'm not here. saying I'm all here. sex workers kill people. No, of course I'm not. just saying that this particular one was killing Definitely people. Definitely was. And then on February 1st, uh, a thing that I didn't know existed, and I didn't think they call them that, a cash register. I'm going to say fixer-upper. A mechanic. <laughs> a mechanic. Um, he fixes Clyde Hayes, he's 34. Okay, he's a mechanic. He was found in his home. He, again, mutilated, stabbed in the face, stabbed in his upper torso, and sl- has a throat slashed. Mm-hmm. Person with, I'm going to assume, decent paying job. Right. Killed in his actual home. Talk about the number of closeted men in the country in the 60s and 70s. I believe that this man was invited in. Yes. And killed him after or before sex. Right. Doesn't matter. I don't know what they didn't say semen was found at the scene. I don't know what happened. I don't know how he disposes of semen. I don't want to think of the ways it could be disposed of. I'm just saying that my sex work theory runs through this the entire way. (laughs) And Right. So... Now you're an L.A. cop, and what are you thinking? You're a detective. Well, I'm not a detective, but if I was a Los I Angeles cop, I would spend a lot of time outside the gay bars yelling at people to think and tell them how great they look. Um, I'm like, oh my God, sis, rock that out. Oh, nice heel, Sarah. Are you celebrating a birthday? Well, you probably would have been a lot closer to what they were thinking. And I also probably would. I, me. You would have been closer to what the detectives were thinking. I don't think so. I think there's one major... Uh, distinction that wouldn't put me there because I'm um, pretty sure they were looking for a, a white male. That's what I'm saying. You would have your your guess. You <coughs> oh, I thought you were right talking. <laughs> no, you would have been looking in the right places because they were thinking. I thought you were thinking I would be like Charnel would be closer. No, you mm-hmm. as a detective, your estimate. Just hanging out with the gays. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> probably would have been a lot closer because they were thinking white male, his late twenties or early thirties, six foot tall and 190 pounds. Thick. Um, this is the profile. They describe the killer as sexually impotent coward. Um, and we find out that a lot of the things that they were thinking that Vaughn would be was not. Well, yeah. First of all, let me just say, if you were listening to this and you are six feet tall and a hundred. Shut up, shut up. I... <laughs> Slut. <laughs> yeah, I was like, let me Dude, just say. That's nice. But these are the descriptions that people had given. And that's why they started piecing this together. Because, right. again, they went to the stereo. The typical, first of all, they wanted they wanted looking for someone who was strong enough to do the things Scrapping. that he was doing. Because um, if you were angry enough, you could do that. Because these, the patterns and when you stab people, mutilating people's faces implies that you have a personal relationship with them. Usually that comes from a personal rage. Um you know that, like Christopher Porco, the way he butchered his father in the face with that axe. Like, that is more, I can't stand you. You've done X, Y, and Z. I want to destroy your visage. Um, and so mutilating that, people thought that it was like this. Like, oh, I saw him with this guy. You didn't see him. You probably did see this gay guy, this closeted gay guy with a tall, stringy-haired, blonde-haired guy. You probably did. But that wasn't the guy who killed him. Like, <laughs> So it's like all these things have been happening. And they, they, you're right. They had these ideas. They profiled 
all wrong. Mm-hmm. They said that he's probably, you know, one of these other poor people too. Mm-hmm. He hated himself, so he projected that onto other people. The only thing they got was the homosexuality. They said he and not even that. They said he was probably. Like, <laughs> and he, like he's poorly educated. He was a loner and he was friendless. Right. They had a lot of these things right. Mm-hmm. And but the the major thing was they, they were looking white. for a white man. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, <laughs> In the 1960s and 1970s, they were doing a lot of killing. So, like, yeah, I, I could I, understand if the profile fit that. But, and, and again, the way the, the way the murders happened, the way they were set up for, um, the way they were propped up and set up for when police would discover them, pointed to that, too. So, I can't hate on them for it. But you got to start doing some research. You need to start canvassing. You need to start having multiple patrols out this. First of all, this library. Reading is fundamental, but killing is not. So I need that to happen. I need that to change. They could have just stayed outside the library. Don't <laughs> get <laughs> me started. So uh, things start to come to a head here mm-hmm. because on February second of that year, William Graham was in his Hollywood home when that was my sound effect for someone breaking in. Um, someone with a hatchet came out and attacked William. And then his friend, Kenneth Richards, who was staying with him at the time, came in to try to stop the assailant. But both of them were thrown through a window. Now, the attacker, who we, again, said probably was not super smart. Like, no, not at all. <laughs> knew how to survive. But I was think not this super is smart. my favorite story of somebody getting caught. So he ran out of the home on foot. And guess who lived next door? Because this is funny to me. It's Hollywood. Burt Reynolds. <laughs> R.I.P. But <laughs> you're right. He is a little bit of an idiot. You know what dense. they needed? They needed they needed zippers in pockets and and buttons like they have now. Because this <laughs> this house guest that came through and did all this dropped a little bit of something. He dropped a letter addressed to himself. Addressed to a Mr. Vaughn Greenwood. What? what? In what world does this make sense that you... <laughs> he moved on out. He went from Skid Row to Burt Reynolds' driveway. That is a... That's just going I want to understand Ooh. how... See, I don't get prepared to kill people. Like, it's not my thing. Like, I don't do that. Are you sure? I don't know what but you're doing. You, no one does. So and I would guy. stop talking so much trash if you don't. So... <laughs> What I'm saying is that when I get ready to go to work, I make sure I have my house keys, my car keys, my wallet, my phone. Well, you know what? I make sure I don't have anything that's like a weapon of any kind or anything like that. So I'd imagine when you get prepared to go do your job, which is, or do you know, do your sick hobby of killing people, you want to make sure that you don't leave any evidence. So what makes you think it's smart to bring a bank statement or... <laughs> Have your pockets full of anything with your address on. I don't know if it was like a postcard from an old homeless friend. Like, dude, I moved to the city. It's great. You should come out here. Love you, Vaughn. Take care of yourself. Like, what are you doing? Especially if you go into rich folks. This is my thing. If you if you are a poor a black person trolling through the streets of, I'm assuming Hollywood Hills. If you're gonna if you doing shit, you ain't got no business. People are already looking at you. Like, do y'all see this? Y'all see this Negro who is. It's like, do you, see, do you know him? Did he work for you? Is he your landscape? No. Yeah, I don't know him right. either. So now you're breaking into people's homes 
And then you leave an envelope. I just feel like you're just poor. You're like, at, what did we say about Donna Scrivo? Minimum effort. <laughs> but I love the fact that it was a letter addressed to himself. That got him caught up. It was. I and really so do. police went there. Because imagine, like, they went to that address. Because, you know, he had, again, he'd moved up. He was no longer just homeless. He was crashing. He was and, waves. What'd you say? Making waves. Oh, I heard something else. And I was like, that is not okay. I'm not going to say what I thought you said, but we'll say it off mic. Uh, (laughs) But they picked him up and they did a search of the home he was staying in. And you know what they found? Stuff and things? Yeah, they found tons of stuff and things. But they found a pair of cufflinks that belonged to his earlier victim, George Frias, the guy who was killed in his apartment on January 29th in 1975. So, connections. Mm -hmm. Finally. And so I think what's what's really funny here, and we we gonna go that he he gets um he gets booked for the burglary, he gets booked for the assault, um and at this time while he was waiting on that he gets and you know booked for the murders as well for eleven people, mm-hmm. um, but I had read this article which is funny to me, um that they were still arresting people in connection with the Skid Row slasher even after. They caught him. After they picked up uh, Vaughn Greenwood. Um, let's see here. I, it's out of the December, December 8th, 1978 uh, edition of the Spokane Daily Chronicle. Uh, they had picked up a man uh, named Gary Stinson because they were investigating a murder um, in downtown Los Angeles with the same kind of MO motive as a slip, Skid Row Slasher. Um, Skid Row Slasher. I can't do words anymore. And he was released because they couldn't determine if he had committed any murders. And the same thing happened again uh, the next month. And they picked up another man uh, while uh, Vaughn was sitting in prison. So it's it's weird to me that like they were still thinking maybe they got the wrong guy. They were definitely in denial. They really wanted their profile to be accurate. And- right, because they took so long to pick him up. Right. And so it's... It's it's out of control for me that they were still this uh this wild and this this loose with it, um. But he was convicted. Vaughn Green was convicted on nine counts of first degree murder, and he was sentenced to life in prison on a January nineteenth, nineteen seventy seven. Uh, but he is currently serving his sentence at Men's Colony State Prison, uh, in St. Louis Obispo. Fun things, California. Uh, <laughs> a lot of California names are like like Spanish, and I think it's pretty. Because immigrants, we get the job done. <laughs> Don't know what I'm doing anymore. But that was Vaughn Greenwood. That was Vaughn Greenwood. Um, uh, a man of little to no stature or story um, significance, really, to the true crime world. Not a lot of people talk about him. Yeah. I when we when one of the first things I do when we look up a case is I want to see all of who else has covered him. Because mm-hmm. um, I can, you're allowed to source other people's work as long as you give them credit. Um, but there's not much. I found a couple like the murder digest, mm-hmm. um, a, a buddy of mine, an online buddy of mine who did criminal musings, did an episode of that. Um, but like I said, if you, if you're looking deep for Vaughn, you've got to find bits and pieces here and there. You're going to go find like, again, things that are on microfilm from the seventies, eighties, like talking about this. Cause there, that's when all the interest was because then he got overshadowed. By the John Wayne Gacy's of the world and the Dean Corals of the world, um, and the and eventually 
the Jeffrey Dahmers of the world. Like things like this happened all the time. Right. Um, and people were doing things that were much more brutal and dehumanizing than what he was doing, even though it was just as gross. Yeah. I like I said, I'm not an advocate for murderers, but we they deserve not they deserve, but we deserve to know why they did what they did. Yeah. And I, I feel like and I, I the you know, usually they, they try to figure out the why for the victims mm. and the victims' families. But the problem is I think you know, these victims are mostly unknown names, unknown people, maybe had family here and there, but no one was really looking for them. Mm, the less dead. Right. And so because of that, we don't get the why of the story because no one went probing for that and the man is still alive like there's still time to find out why did you do this to these people right and somebody and should care enough to ask for the victim's sake why did you do this well i think that again that's and what, for the lessons that I mean, we can learn from well yeah and as far as i go like as someone who wants to be a forensic psychologist one day you school. say that and roll your eyes every time like you anticipate the work that is gonna you're gonna do five and- six years of a p a p Doctorate program ain't gonna be no joke. Like y'all don't get it. <laughs> they don't understand. My sister did it. So. Yeah, but your sister also rolled her masters and her PhD into one program, and she did it. And by the time she was twenty eight, like I didn't do that. I'm twenty nine, so I've got to start my life late. Whatever. <laughs> but at least I'll be a hot forty. Um, the point is that, like, I think as far as me, I am very curious and wanting to know why things like this happen. I mean, I could guess if I see it. A young, uh, black, I'm gonna assume, like, gay and not presenting as gay, but everyone sees little signs of your kids when they're gay. Mm-hmm. Um, in foster care, a lot of things happening, running away from that, being introduced into this life of violence and, um, probably, like, again, rape, um, abuse, neglect. Like, there's a lot of things setting him up to be this. Um, I'm assuming, again, you being more likely to experience uh, depression, anxiety, going untreated if you have mental illness, all these things that will add up to you potentially not knowing how to direct rage, anger, guilt, shame, and you projecting on somebody else and causing you to do massive harm. So I can put that together in my head. And I'm probably wrong. That's not true. I'm probably right. <laughs> but it's a, it's a shame that we don't know because I think it... I just think it doesn't, even if it just helps true crime heads like us or forensic psychologists or people who do risk assessments and things like that to really piece together what things, what types of trauma, what kinds of drastic changes or um, uh, kind of life, what's the word that people use all the time, um, massive life um, life events right. can cause someone to get kicked over that edge. I would like to know. Right. So, I mean, it's a it's an interesting case. If you guys find anything about Vaughn Greenwood, like, while you're doing your own little searches, or if someone mentions him in a book um, that we couldn't find, because there are some books that I would refuse to pay for, because I'm not going to li- buy a it's book It's like about... a segment of the stories. I hate, like, I bought that, uh, I bought a book. Wana. Uh, Wana. I bought Wana's. I bought well, a couple about Luca. I bought one that had, on Google Books, though, I bought one that had uh, Dean Coral's story in it. Like, there's... All these things where I would love more information, different perspective, but we just can't find it. So if you guys can, send me. <laughs> email I would me. like to know too. Well, send it to the what did you do pod at gmail.com and we'll all read it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say keep your eyes open, guys, um, for some exciting things that are happening to us, around us, for us, with us. Yes. Um, you'll hear about that, more about those things as they come. Yes, you will. But until they do, it's a secret. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
And it's the secrets that make you sick. So that's why we have to share them eventually. <laughs> um, where are people going to find you on the internet if they wanted to look for you? If they really want to look for me, like really? Instagram, you can find me on D underscore light for. Um, you can follow and find me on Twitter under the same handle, but I'm I'm here and there and sometimes she, there. And I'm more the Twitter person. I'm sporadically there. I'm also have, finding better things to do than my homework or my actual work at work. <laughs> I don't have service at work. So I'm always on the timelines. You can find me. It's at Charnel B. It'll be in the show notes on Instagram, Twitter. I'm also on Snapchat, same name. I don't really do much, but if you want to see me take pictures of my cat or my random trips to the gym, uh, it'll be there. Uh, you can also find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at What Did You Do Pod. Check out the Facebook. Check out the website. Um, again, subscribe, rate, and review. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, a bunch of other random. Thank XM. you for saying Stitcher because we always get yelled at for not including Stitcher by the one person I know. That listens through well, Stitcher. Tell her to get something else. And, <laughs> tell her all the time. <laughs> well, Stitcher is Stitcher does works wonders for us, I guess. People listen on Stitcher. Um, but check those out. Again, check out the Patreon. Um, I have nothing else for you guys. Happy it is Turkey Day. Enjoy but happy your Thanksgiving. With your people's friends, families, whatever. Please have a lot of uncomfortable true crime conversations. Yes. Uh, talk about the gruesome. Play our show for your family to make them feel uncomfortable. I mean, I'm going to do it. I have, I have my, I can see my aunts, and my aunts always ask. Um, I see you always posting about this podcast stuff. What is what are you doing with that? Are you talk about killing people? I'm like I'm not talking about killing people. I'm talking about people who are talking about or killing people who are already killed people. So like I can't wait to go and just lay it all out. Like let's talk to you about Luca. Have <laughs> you, you ever start with Dahmer? Have you ever heard about Dean Coral <laughs> shoving things up people's pee holes? Well, let's get into that. Like I want while they're eating the super damn like eating eat your, eat your mac and cheese. I'm not gonna wait till dessert. <laughs> you you ain't right. I'm not. But anyway, guys, you take care of yourselves. Keep your hands clean. Uh, The secrets make you sick. Go talk to somebody. Um, What else you got? You want to hang out? Hang up. Later. Later.